Glory to God. Welcome to the first installment of the Galatians Bible study. The, the idea behind uh, the, these Bible studies is just that we could get together and uh, read through the, the verses uh, together and just let the Holy Spirit uh, reveal Christ in all of the scriptures to us. You know, the, the, the scriptures were written um, for the express purpose of revealing Christ crucified to us. The, all of the scriptures were written either from the foundation of guiding us in, into everything that was revealed in Jesus's his death, his resurrection, and his ascension, or they're, they're written um, to discern our lives and the world around us using the word that was made flesh in Jesus. You know, one of the most powerful things in my lives, in my life, I, I've always been, um, I've always loved the scriptures. I've always loved the word. Um, and I've studied the word my whole life, even when I was a little child. And then um, one day what happened was the Lord brought something, for, uh, brought a prayer forth in my heart where I just began praying um, out of the blue for, for God to show me Jesus and all of the scriptures. And the prayer in my heart um, began to be that, um, that I would just know Jesus and, and the power of his resurrection. And that's the foundation from where we're going to go through these Bible studies. We're going to go through these Bible studies asking the Holy Spirit to reveal Christ crucified to us. We're going through these, these Bible studies. We're going to sit and go verse by verse through these scriptures so that we could know Jesus and the power of his resurrection and uh, the fellowship of his sufferings so that we could know what it means that to be crucified with Christ so that we could have the faith in our hearts um, formed and fashioned uh, according to the same faith that was in Jesus's heart as he was uh, nailed to the cross. So that's the foundation from where we, we're going to do these videos. That's the prayer in my heart as we go through this, that Christ just be put clearly on display in all of our midst. The format for the videos, I don't know that the videos will be the same length every time, I, I may uh, try and stick to a certain amount of verses each video. I'm not sure. But what, what I will do is, is keep it below 45 minutes. At the end of each video, I'll post a link in, in the comments on YouTube uh, for uh, my notes, for whatever verses that we went through. So you could have access to my notes um, as, as you go through it or as you watch the video and read the scriptures. Um, for yourself. If you have any questions um, regarding the video, if you have any questions about anything I said in the video, please put your questions in the comment section. I'm not going to uh, answer the questions week to week, but what I will do is store, um, I'll save all the questions that are uh, asked for the letter, and at the end of each letter in the New Testament, what I'll do is I'll take some time, however much time is needed, um, to read all the questions and then answer all the questions as, as best as I can. Um, please, uh, for, for the sake of, of time um, and, and, and order, um, leave your questions, uh, make your questions specific to the things that are covered in each video or to the verses that are covered in, in each video. Um, I don't want to get into answering questions that are unrelated to what's talked about in the video or unrelated to the verses we go through um, in the video. 
Um, thank you for your consideration. Um, thank you in advance for or being considerate of, of that request. It'll be helpful to me. Um, man, my, my heart is that we won't just do the Galatian Bible study um, or the, the letter to the Galatians. My heart is that we'll go through every letter in the New Testament um, and do the same thing. Um, and at something else, at the end of, of every letter that we go through, um, I, I, I don't know what format we'll do it in, but I plan to uh, publish a commentary um, of each letter that we go through so that um, you could have that on hand uh, for future reference anytime you're, you're going through the Scriptures. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of commentaries out there, but I hadn't seen um, a lot of commentaries that are based on uh, Christ crucified and Christ crucified only. I don't see a lot of commentaries that are, are based on the more sure word of prophecy that is Jesus Christ himself. I don't see a whole lot of commentaries out there that uh, stick to the parameters of the word made flesh in Jesus and, and what the scriptures are declaring in light of that. So it'll, it'll be good for you to have um, on hand. Um, it'll be good to help you meditate on, on the Word, and it'll just be fun to, to go through the Scriptures together. Um, I, I know we live in a postmodern world where um, a lot of people struggle to understand the Scriptures or uh, don't really want to wrestle with the Scriptures, and so it's, it's easy to say, well, the Scriptures were written by a uh, fallible man, and um, therefore, you know, it's not really... Uh, we know better than what the scriptures say. Listen, um, I won't disagree that the the scriptures were uh, written by the hands of fallible men, but they were inspired by the infallible, um, in, uh, infallible uh, spirit of God. Um, I couldn't come up with the word that I wanted there. Um, so, man, what we know about the, the scriptures and the reason why we're going to do all these commentaries, and the reason why we're going to do all these videos within the parameters of uh, Christ crucified is because Jesus himself says in John 16 that when the Spirit has come, that the Spirit will not speak of himself, um, the Spirit will speak of whatsoever things were revealed in him, were revealed in his death, in his resurrection, and in his ascension. And so, man, if, if the scriptures were brought forth in through the hearts of, of, of man, um, by the Holy Spirit, and that Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth, the Spirit of the same truth that was made flesh in Jesus, then we know that all of the Scriptures are there to guide us into the Word that was revealed in, in Jesus' death, His resurrection, and His ascension. So that's the, the heart behind what we're doing here. That's why we're going to do it that way. Um, we... If we have a more sure word of prophecy, um, let us have our minds filled with that, that more sure word of prophecy. If uh, Jesus, if the word had to be made flesh, let us understand that within our own reasoning and intellect, we don't actually possess the ability to understand what's in the scriptures. And, and let us look upon the, the word that was made flesh in Jesus and let that word, let that word of life discern all the scriptures for us. Um, just as the Apostle Paul, um, he, once he encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus, he, he no longer had a, a, a 
carnal reference point for, for looking at the Scriptures. He no longer reasoned from the Scriptures according to his intellect or according to his traditions or according to um, all the, the, the doctrines and principles that he, he thought were in the Scriptures before he encountered Jesus. But Jesus himself, that word that he saw Jesus, the man Jesus that was hung on the tree, that was hung on the cross and then was resurrected from that death, never to be able to die again, Paul came to the place where he saw that that was the very wisdom of God, that that was the revelation of the word that was contained in the scriptures. So let us um, see the more sure word of prophecy. And I promise you this, our lives will be rooted and grounded in the love of God as we behold Christ in the scriptures. Glory to God. It's not a theory. I've seen it um, in my own life. So um, we'll give a little bit of background on uh, the letter to the Galatians. I'm not a uh, historian. Um, neither is my heart to spend a, a bunch of time um, looking at a the history of this letter from a worldly perspective. What I will do is spend some time um, connecting um, the different letters in the New Testament and using the book of Acts to help us um, connect to it. Uh, for, for, you know, there's a lot of um, helpful insight if you uh, look at the historical account of, of Paul's um, ministry in the book of Acts. There's a, a lot of helpful insight if you look at the historical record in the book of Acts of, of the formation of the church and, and the movement of all the apostles, Peter and John and, and all those guys. So I will reference um, the history recorded in the book of Acts a lot. Um, and outside of that, we'll, we'll touch briefly on the, the background and, and going on um, behind each letter. Thank you for uh, all the history buffs out there that will have mercy on my soul um, and uh, look past my shortcomings there. Um, just looking at the letter to the Galatians, I, I, you know, people, uh, well-studied people can disagree, um, about the, the timeline, um, for the letter, uh, to the, to, to the Galatians and, and when Paul ministered in Galatia, um, near as I could, could, could tell, um, most people think that, that Paul's ministry in, in the region of Galatia occurred, um, sometime between A.D. 47 and A.D. 49. Um, most people think that he, he wrote the letter to the Galatians sometime between A.D. 49 and, and A.D. 53. Um, again, reasonable people can disagree about these dates. Um, it, it's also widely accepted that um, the letter to the Galatians was the first of the Pauline epistles, and it was the first uh, letter um, written in, in the New Testament. Again, I'm not going to die on that hill if, if you disagree with that, um, because I don't think the power to experience the life of God or to be filled with the love of God is found in, um, in those facts or in disputing those facts. So you're free to uh, see those facts any way you like. Um, initially, the, the region... Um, the geographical region of Galatia, it's in Asia, Asia Minor. Um, the, initially, the, reg, the reason it was called Galatia 
was because the the Gauls settled there, and um, they uh, immigrated there, and that's where they ended up selling, uh, settling, um, and it's North Central Asia Minor where they settled. Later, when Galatia became a, a, Ro- a Roman province, um, it included the city south of the Gaulish territory, and um, those cities were Lystra, Derbe, Iconium, and Pisidian Antioch. Um, geographically speaking, uh, for the modern uh, man and, and woman, um, the area that, that Paul knew as Galatia uh, is known to us as modern-day Turkey. It's modern-day Turkey there. Um, and so that's the, the geography of um, the region. Um, as I said before, you can find a lot of, you can find a corresponding account of what was going on when Paul was ministering in the area, and you can find a corresponding account to uh, what was going on when Paul wrote the letter to the Galatians in Acts chapter 9 um, through 15. Um, and you can get a lot of helpful insight there that can interpret some of the things Paul talks about in his letter. Um, you're not left alone. Um, to try and, and use uh, your own culture or traditions to interpret um, the, the things Paul's talking about there. You have the Holy Spirit, and you have a historical account of what was going on in the, the book of Acts. Uh, for example, one of the things you can see if you read through uh, the account in Acts, um, you can see that uh, much of Paul's ministering in, in Galatia occurred after he was stoned and left for dead. Um, so he, he went in, he got up after being stoned and left for dead, and went into Galatia, um, many of the cities afterwards, after being stoned and left for dead, and that's when he ministered the gospel. And you can look in Galatians 4, where Paul talks about the Galatians not despising him for his appearance. Um, and if you combine Paul's words in, in chapter 4 with the account in Acts, you, you can get some understanding there. Um, I know a lot of well-intentioned people have, have tried to combine Paul's words in, in chapter 4 of Galatians with um, his words, I think, in, in 2 Corinthians 12 um, about his thorn in the flesh, and they've, they've, they've surmised or postulated that Paul had some eye disease. And uh, that's what he was talking about in the letter to Galatians. Listen, um, that's not what Paul was talking about. Uh, what he was talking about was he had just taken some rocks to the head. And uh, if you've taken some rocks to the head, listen, you've got uh, black eyes, probably some pockets of, of blood um, underneath your eyes. You're looking kind of like Rocky Balboa um, after he fought uh, Apollo Creed. And so Paul would have had a bunch of bruises on his face. He would have had um, some, some very disturbing black eyes. And um, the, the, the culture in that day, the people in Galatia would have known that uh, that wasn't necessarily a good sign um, of, of this guy being a prophet. Now, listen, it might have been a good sign of this guy being a prophet <laughs> according to um, the God, because we know that the world rejects God. And so if the world rejected Paul, that might have been a good sign he was a prophet from God. But uh, according to the traditions of the world and the, the cultural times in Galatia, man, that would have been like a scarlet letter to them. That would have um, 
been reason for pause, or as, as I like to say sometimes, that would have been cause for pause in their eyes. But Paul said, even though I came down into your cities ministering the gospel, having just been stoned and left for dead, labeled as a heretic, man, you guys didn't despise my appearance. You didn't judge my word by my appearance. But man, you believe the message of Christ crucified that I presented clearly in your midst. Um, if you if you read in, in Galatians 15, or not Galatians 15, forgive me, if you read in Acts 15, it talks about the Judaizers coming from Jerusalem. And it says that they came teaching that the Gentiles um, needed to perform the works of the law, that they needed to uh, follow Moses, and they needed to be circumcised in the, the flesh of their foreskin. And so the, the Judaizers came to the area of Galatia, and they, they began teaching in the area of Galatia that righteousness was found in the strength of the flesh to perform the works of the law. They began teaching all the people that godliness was contained in the strength of, of people uh, to, to perform the works of the law, that the power to have a good life was found in, in performing the works of the law. And, and if you could perform the works of the law, then you would be blessed with the good life that the world has to offer. Um, that's what they came, they came teaching. And they, they, they also, uh, they didn't just teach that message and, and leave the people to, to sort it out, um, whether they believe Paul or whether they believe them. Um, but they came and they, they, they called into question Paul's apostleship. And they attacked uh, Paul's message by attacking his apostleship. That's how they sought about tearing down Paul's message. They came and said he wasn't an apostle. Um, if you're 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 looking to um, connect some of uh, Paul's other letters with the letter to the Galatians, um, when Paul talks about the thorn of the in his flesh in in Second Corinthians twelve, um, one of the things he's referencing is is the Judaizers um, that came tearing down his message. And if you you read Second Corinthians chapter eleven right before Paul talks about the thorn in the flesh. He, he refers to false prophets coming uh, with the word that was not built on the foundation of Christ crucified um, and perverting the message that he was preaching and troubling all the people that Paul had preached uh, the message of, of grace to. Um, you can also find in the Old Testament that it mentions people that who were troublemakers or are perverting the, the, the message of God it references them as thorns. And so you can see Paul also referencing um, his encounter with the Judaizers in the second Corinthians, um, in his letter uh, to, the to the Corinthians, the, the second letter that he wrote there. Now, if you, if you read in, in Acts 15, if you keep reading in Acts 15, you see Paul and Barnabas um, have a dispute with the Judaizers. They don't agree with their message. And they, they aren't just going to let them um, uproot the seed that is Jesus that they were dispersing in the, the hearts of all the people there. So they, they went up to Jerusalem, and they went with Jerusalem to stand um, in the midst of the apostles. And they didn't go to Jerusalem 
to to get approval um, for their message necessarily, um, but they they went to to stand in defense of the liberty they were preaching um, that we have in Christ, and so they went to stand in defense of the gospel in the midst of the apostles, so that it it could be declared once for all that the message that Paul preached is from above and and not from uh man and not from the traditions of man and that the message the judaizers were preaching did not come from god and it was not um uh the gospel of christ but another gospel altogether and if you keep reading in acts 15 james stands up in in the midst of 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 this uh gathering and uh says that that we didn't uh that the judaizers never came from us. Um, and if you look in the scripture, it says they came from Jerusalem. It doesn't say they came from James um, there in Acts. And so um, I don't know if it says it somewhere else that they, they, that they said they came out from James or that, or that the, it was thought they came out from James somewhere else. But James himself ends all the confusion and says, listen, we never sent those guys from Jerusalem to tell the Gentiles that they needed to perform the works of the law or that they needed to be circumcised in their, the flesh of their foreskin um, to be justified with life. He says, we never sent them with that message. And then Peter stands up um, and, and Peter uh, says, you know, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Spirit, I love Peter. He's just so bold. He says, God who knows the hearts um, gave the Gentiles the Holy Spirit even as he gave us the Holy Spirit, purifying their hearts by faith. And then Peter goes on to say, how can we tempt God to put a yoke upon the neck of the Gentiles, speaking of telling the Gentiles that they need to perform the works of the law? Peter comes and says that, man, we're tempting God um, by teaching that message. And he says, man, and we're putting a heavy yoke on them by telling them that justification is found in performing the works of the law. We're putting a heavy yoke on them by telling them that they can attain to to a godly life by performing the works of the law. And what's more, it's a yoke that neither our fathers or us were ever able to bear. So how can we do that? Peter stands up and says. And and so there was an uh, agreement. And as we move on in the letter to the Galatians, we'll see that Paul says that the uh, apostles... Um, not that he was seeking their approval to find out if his message was true or not. He knew it was true. But he he wanted the, the Galatians and all the people around there to have it settled in stone that there's one message so that the seed couldn't just be plucked out of them. He, he comes and says that the apostles extended to him the right hand of fellowship. And, and, and so after this gathering in Jerusalem, that's when Paul writes his letter to the Galatians. Um, and he writes the letter, he writes his letter to the Galatians to, to follow up with the dispute that was going on about what is the gospel message and how can we know what it is. He, he writes to follow up with the Galatians, um, and he writes to establish his, his apostleship and his authority, um, in the mystery that is Christ. Right, so he he writes, and, and the way that he establishes his authority there is he goes into the origin of his message, and how he was sent, or rather, 
who he was sent by and how he came to be one who was sent by God. And so he, he establishes his, his apostleship um, in the first couple chapters of the letter, but then he gives a line-upon-line um, explanation of the gospel message and what it is and how we can know what it is. And he gives a line-upon-line explanation of how we can know that righteousness is found through the grace that is contained in the faith that came to us in Christ and not in performing the works of the law. He gives a detailed explanation of what produces uh, the fruit of the Spirit in people's lives. He gives a detailed just gives a detailed explanation of how justification is found in the work of God and not in man performing their own works. That's where um, he begins the letter to the Galatians, and that's what's in his heart as he's ministering um, in that letter. So with all that being said, um, let's get to the letter itself. And, you know, some of these things will come back up again, and um, we'll get into them in maybe a little more detail than we just covered, but we'll keep referencing back to them. A beautiful thing can happen um, as you, you sit with um, a letter and you don't move on quickly from it and you just sit with the verses and think on the verses with God um, for, for a while, right? What'll happen is like the Holy Spirit will paint a very clear picture of what's being said in the letter and you'll start to find great revelation pertaining to these individual verses that you might have stumbled on before, uh, because you were looking at the verses just individually instead of looking at them in the context of a whole picture. Um, you know, something that's gone on in our, our postmodern world is that um, we, we've, we, what we've done is we've taken the scriptures and chopped them up into individual verses. And I don't, listen, glory to God. I'm thankful that we have references for chapters and verses that we can point to and that can help us um, turn in the scriptures to the place we're trying to get. But one of the, the downfalls of that is that the, the letters have been chopped up into individual verses in our hearts, and it's made it a struggle for us to see the letter in its entirety or to interpret the letter through its whole context. We struggle to see the whole letter all at one time, and we, we, we build doctrines out of individual verses instead of seeing um, each individual verse within the context of the whole letter in the context of the Christ that the letter is declaring. Um, so it'll help us to keep referencing and going back and, 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 and recovering. Um, but the epistle of Paul, the apostle to the Galatians. Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ in God the Father, who raised him from the dead. And all the brethren which are with me unto the, the churches of Galatia. Grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll just go, um, we'll read five verses there just so there's some continuity before I, I break it up. Um, but Paul says, an apostle, not of men, um, neither by man. Now listen, an apostle is 
was known to be someone who, who was sent by God. And the message they are sent with is not learned from man, but it is learned by revelation of Jesus Christ. That's why Paul says, um, an apostle of God, not of men by men, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Um, so it, w- it was a well-known fact that in order to be an apostle, you, you had to have gotten your message by revelation of Jesus Christ, by having walked with Jesus Christ or having been taught by Jesus Christ directly. Um, and, and that is how it was determined that you were sent by God. You were sent by God because you were taught directly by revelation of Jesus Christ. It, an apostle was someone who had to receive their dro- doctrine directly from Christ, and Christ himself. It, it couldn't have been taught to, to them by man. Um, and that's one of the things that the, the Judaizers said to tear down the authority of Paul's uh, apostleship and to call into question his understanding of the mystery that had been hidden from all the ages. They come and said that this guy didn't walk with Jesus. And so he, can't, he couldn't have been an apostle. Now listen, something real quick. I don't want to get sidetracked on this. But um, Paul says, not of man, right? Um, I know that worldliness has infiltrated the church, and um, we, we, we set up systems to try to bring forth what only the Holy Spirit can bring forth. Um, but, you know, based on the understanding of what an apostle is, what we know is that you can't have schools, um, schools of the apostles and the prophets. You can't have schools that train up apostles and prophets. You can't teach someone to be an apostle and a prophet. Um, it, it's a gift from above. As Paul said that uh, when Jesus ascended on high and uh, led death captive um, by overcoming the grave, he gave gifts unto men, some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some teachers, some pastors. Um, you can't teach somebody to be those things. You can't set up classes that teach the gifts um, of the Spirit. You could set up classes and teach people what the gifts of the Spirit are, and you could have schools where there's apostles and prophets there, um, but those apostles and prophets wouldn't be teaching other people how to be apostles and prophets. They'd be teaching the Spirit of truth. They'd be teaching the, the doctrine of Christ crucified. And then the Holy Spirit moves as the Spirit wills, as Paul says in in 1 Corinthians. Um, The Holy Spirit, I think it's 1 Corinthians. I might be wrong. It might be 2 Corinthians. But the the verse remains true, that uh, the Holy Spirit moves as the Spirit wills, and the Spirit brings forth uh, gifts in people as the Spirit wills. And so um, don't be deceived if there's some school out there telling you that they train up apostles and prophets. Um, that's just the world trying to do what only the Holy Spirit can do. Um, and so the Judaizers, they come and said, Paul's not an apostle. That's how you know his message is garbage. Um, they said Paul didn't walk with Jesus. They said he wasn't taught of Jesus himself, but he learned his doctrine from a man. Um, so Paul comes and says, listen, he starts off his letter, Paul, an apostle, not of man and not by man. So he says, I wasn't sent by man. Neither was um, his message given by man. He says he wasn't made an apostle recklessly or by his own desire. He wasn't made an apostle by the drawing of, of, 
of straws are toothpicks. Um, the way that, you know, I think it's Acts 1, it says the, the 11 uh, apostles uh, tried to figure out for themselves how they could uh, replace Judas, um, the son of perdition, who uh, condemned himself to death, whose own heart condemned him because he uh, sold uh, the, the Lord Jesus um, into captivity uh, for mammon, for the riches of the world. He, he exchanged the, the blessing of the firstborn for uh, the riches that were contained in the world. And it wasn't God or the Lord Jesus that, that condemned um, Judas. Judas's own heart condemned him. Um, because his heart was filled with with Satan, his heart was filled with the the accuser, with the the voice of the serpent, and his own heart worked condemnation in him. And uh, the blood of Judas is on his own hands. Paul comes and says, "Listen, um, my apostleship wasn't by the drawing of straws or by the fanciful ideas of mankind." Um, he says he was made an apostle by God the Father, and God the Father ordained him for his apostleship when he revealed uh, his son, Christ Jesus, to Paul on the road to Damascus. He says that's when he was sent forth with his message, when the Father revealed Christ Jesus to him. That's why Paul goes on in great detail to describe his encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus later on in the letter to the Galatians. And we'll get into um, that in greater detail later. And if you go and read in Acts chapter 9, verse 15, it says, um, I think it's uh, Ananias, uh, when God says, ah, go unto Saul, and, you know, he's blind, and go and, and lay hands on him and pray for him to, to receive the Holy Spirit, and uh, I think for the, his eyes to be opened. And Ananias is like, listen, man, that guy, he's persecuting the brethren, and uh, he's he's putting them to death even, and uh you know, I, he probably heard of Stephen being being put to death. And so in, in the Acts chapter 9, verse 15 says, But the Lord said unto Ananias, Go thy way, for Paul is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. So Acts is recording the, the apostleship or the origin of Paul's apostleship, and it records that it came from God the Father, and it came from God the Father. He was sent out by God the Father through the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's why Paul says, um, who raised Jesus from the dead in verse 1. Okay, so Paul says, Paul, an apostle. He's saying, this letter has come from me. And um, all the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia. Um, so Paul says, this letter that I've written, it's from me, and it's from all the brethren. Uh, what brethren? Um, there might be some people sitting there with him, um, but I don't know that that's what Paul's talking about. Um, you know, other letters, you might say there's a scribe there with them scribing the letter, which was common. But later in the letter to the Galatians, Paul makes a point to say that you see what, what, how large of a letter I wrote with my own hand. This is how serious it is. So, so Paul may have been um, by himself physically when he wrote the letter. Um, but when, when he talks about all the brethren are with me, so this letter is from me and all the brethren, all the brethren Paul's talking about there is all the apostles and all the brethren in the church of Jerusalem. 
He's saying, they all stand with me in the sending of this letter. And if you go and read Acts 15, it talks about, um, I think James says that we'll send, uh, we'll send letters with you uh, telling the Galatians that um, the message you preach is the only message. It's the gospel of Christ. And so when Paul says, and all the brethren with me um, are also sending this letter, he's, he's letting those guys know that, listen, I went up to Jerusalem, the dispute's been settled, um, and all of the apostles, they, uh, they, they stand with this message I'm about to deliver to you. They agree with it. Um, they also have signed their names onto it. It's the same message they would deliver to you if they were there with you themselves, Paul says, okay? Now, listen, I, he, he may have uh, sent this letter with the other letters also. I, I don't know about that. Or this might be, they might have decided this was the only letter. So, Paul says, this letter is from him, and all the brethren in Jerusalem are standing with him. He specifically wants the Galatians to know that Peter, James, and John, and all the uh, other apostles stand with him in the doctrine that he's going to lay out in this letter. Um, and if you keep reading in Galatians, I think uh, Galatians chapter 2, um, I think verse 9, um, Paul continues to build on that thought when he says the apostles perceived the, the grace that was given to him to preach um, to the uncircumcision, and they extended to him the, the right hand of fellowship. Um, verse 3 says, grace and peace. Grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Paul says the Father has poured out of himself the grace and the peace he has in himself um, towards us through his anointed one, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen, when you, when you call Jesus Lord, um, it, it declares something. It, it declares uh, the faith that's in your heart. And, and what it means is that you consider yourself to be a citizen of the government that is upon the shoulders of Jesus's indestructible life. It, it, what you're saying there is that your life is under the reign of Jesus's indestructible life. It, it, when Paul says, um, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and through our Lord Jesus Christ, when Paul is calling Jesus Lord, what he's saying there is um, the, the realm in which our life is held and exists is Jesus's indestructible life, um, and not the world, and not the life that the systems and the the governments of this world can produce. And and he says that there's grace and there's peace for us within uh, the the government that's upon the shoulders of Jesus Jesus's indestructible life. He's saying that the the Father has poured out of Himself the life that He has in Himself, and that life was manifested in Jesus, and Jesus, the, the, the government or the country that we're citizens of, have been built upon the indestructible life that's contained in Jesus. That's what it means when he says, the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, man, I, I just believe that the church is coming into the place where um, we know what it means when we call Jesus Lord, and it's not like a vain repetition where we just say it 
um, out of our mouths, and we have no idea what it means in our hearts. Glory to God. Paul says, speaking of the Lord Jesus and the grace and peace that has come to us through the Lord Jesus. He says, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. And, and so Paul comes and says that, man, Jesus offered himself up, that Jesus, um, as our high priest, took himself as our lamb to the cross, and he laid down his life for ours, that he might divorce us from the old man, that he might divorce us from the man who was whose life was but dust and was perishing, and so that we could be delivered or liberated um, from this world um, and the death that's in the world. And when I say liberated from the world, um, I'm talking about the present evil age. I don't mean to be liberated from the earth. Uh, many times there's a difference between the word world and earth in the scriptures. So Jesus gave himself in order that we could be divorced from our union to Adam and the death that was reigning because of the sin of Adam, and so that we could, our lives would no longer be hid um, under in the in in this world, so that our lives would no longer come under the reign of the the prince of this world and his kingdom of death, but that our lives could be liberated from this world and they could be hid with God in Christ. And so that's what Paul's saying there. He's saying Jesus gave Himself for our sins so that we could see our lives delivered or so that our lives could overcome the death that's in this world and that we could have our lives braided together with God in his incorruptible life. Um, Paul, Paul refers to this again when he, when he talks about um, that, and, and I think it's Galatians chapter 6, he says that um, he's dead to the world and the world to him through uh, him being crucified with Christ. And what he's talking about there is that his life has been divorced from the death and the corruption in the world, and it's been braided together with God in his incorruptible life. Glory to God. Um, real quick, I, I don't want to get sidetracked because I'm trying to keep this 45 minutes, but the, the, the present evil world is... Um, it's it's the age where there's still sin and death in the earth and in creation. That's the present evil age Paul is talking about, the age where there's darkness um, in the earth still. It's The evil age is the world Adam founded when he sowed death into the earth. The, the present evil age is the world that's built upon a corruptible life that's perishing. Well, uh, the wages of Adam's sin is death. And that death was reigning over us. And all of us had walked out of the way. The serpent's message was underneath all of our tongues. All of us had trusted in the strength of our own hand to try to be exalted unto life. All of us had done that. And so the wages of, of sin was death. And God didn't want us to perish with the sin and death that is in the earth. He didn't want us to perish with the world that is perishing. And so he had Jesus come and offer himself so we could be delivered 
um, so that our life could be uh, separated from being joined together with the world that is perishing and the life that is perishing and the kingdom of death that is perishing and that we could be liberated from that and our lives could be hid in the kingdom of God's Son. Essentially, that our lives could be translated from um, death to life. Okay? Glory to God. Um, if you look at, at 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, it says that we are delivered or that we escape the, cor the corruption that's in the earth um, on account of human beings lusting after life through their own works. It says we escape the corruption or the decay or the death or the tribulation that's in the earth because of humans trying to serve themselves with life. We escape that corruption by being made partakers with God in his divine nature. His divine nature is talking about the incorruptible life that he has in himself. So Paul comes and says that uh, we, Jesus gave himself so that we would no longer be partakers with Adam in uh, the death nature or the nature that is but dust or earthy and subject to decay, um, but that we could be joined together um, with God and uh his life that is of a heavenly substance and not subject to get to decay, and that through that we could overcome this world and overcome the accusation of the evil one and all the death and the tribulation in the world. Um, and Paul says something profound here. He, I know we've taught theology from a horrible perspective, and we've looked at, at our understanding of the cross and the gospel as if the Father was somehow outside of the Son and abandoned the Son. And we, we kind of left with this doctrine that the Father's will was maybe different than the will of the Son. But, but Paul says it was the Father's will that we be delivered from the death that's in the world. He says the Father and the Son are of one accord in this. Jesus is um, not twisting the Father's arm, but Jesus is the manifestation of the grace and peace that is in the Father's heart towards mankind. Jesus is what's in the Father's heart for mankind, even when they're dead, they were dead in their sin, manifested in our midst so we could see it. So the Father poured out of himself onto mankind his grace and his peace through Jesus offering himself as the lamb that could remove the death that was reigning over us. And so it's the Father's will. Jesus is the lamb the Father provided. I mean, the Father's the one who provided the lamb. Glory to God. And if, if you look at 2 Corinthians, I think it's, it's chapter 5, maybe it's chapter 3, Paul comes and says that God wasn't willing to let us perish. He wasn't willing to let the wages of our sin be imputed to us. And, you know, what it's saying there is that God rather take our death into himself than let us die. God, who saw us suffering on account of the death in the earth, man, when he saw us suffering there, it grieved his heart. He was dissatisfied with us suffering. He was dissatisfied at the thought of us perishing. He was dissatisfied at the thought that we would be in a state of death. He refused to bless our union um, with death. He could see the wages of death was stinging us, or he could see the wages of our sin was death, and that death was stinging us. And he saw us being bruised and tormented by death. Right? As Luke 4 comes and says that the the the... The Spirit of the Lord was upon Jesus um, to, to heal those who were being bruised um, by death. 
And so God was grieved in the deepest part of his being. And so what he did was he sent Jesus to curse our union to death so that we could be free to be married to another and that our lives could be liberated from this world that's perishing. And then we'll finish this this real quick. Paul says in verse 5, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. He says, God will forever be magnified in our hearts on account of the great love um, that he loves us with. He says that in Christ Jesus, we can see uh, the goodness and the care that he's taken for our lives now, and we can see the exceeding greatness of the riches of his grace that will forever be lavished upon us for all eternity, um, and our mouths will forever speak well of uh, the God who has spoken well of us in Christ Jesus. Paul says our mouths will forever speak well of the God who hath bestowed upon us the incorruptible life that our hearts were always longing for. He said he, in another letter, Paul would say, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul says, man, for all eternity will speak well of what God has done in uh, granting us the gift of his incorruptible life and causing us to overcome the death and the world that's perishing. Well, thank you for sitting with me. Um, I don't know how long I went, but I'm thinking I went over. Um, but uh, as we say in the South, have mercy on my soul. God bless you. And um, man, talk with God and pray with him about what's been shared today. Um, Peace be with you.